Good. So, I'm very pleased to welcome uh, Chris McDermott, a senior clinician scientist from uh, Sheffield. Chris has really done, I think, more than any other uh, academic neurologist in ALS to forward the cause of um, many of the clinical symptomatic trials uh, that have been in recent years, and he's currently working on things like head support, areas actually that have massive unmet need that uh, no one's really tackled before. So it's been a real breath of fresh air in the field uh, to have someone like Chris dedicated to that. He's always had an interest in HSP, this unusual overlap condition, and, and also with PLS. So we thought we'd ask him to come up and talk about what these other disorders might help to, uh, us to understand PLS and, and what we, we know about genetics. So thanks, Chris. Thanks, Martin. Thanks. So I was asked to uh, talk about genetics, really, and I, I thought, well, what exactly um, do we want to get from genetics? And really, it's looking at uh, other motor system disorders and, and the genetic components of them and see if we can take learning from them to advance our understanding about PLS. I'm going to break the brief talk down into uh, these sections, and it's really repeating some of the themes that we've already touched on, perhaps expanding them a little bit, so uh, I'll just talk about how I describe the motor system, I'll talk about HSP and other disorders, we'll discuss uh, genetics, and then I'll give my thoughts about how we, we move forward. So, we've already talked about um, are all these things the same? Can we, can we look at ALS, can we look at PLS? Is it, is it the same, is it not the same? Um, so sometimes things sound the same, so here we have a load of cats, uh, but if, if you look clearly, so you've got meerkats and cats, so although the core cats, they're very different, so it wouldn't really be appropriate, I think, to compare those uh, in detail and draw any conclusions from one for the other. However, um, if you take all these, so you've got uh, Cox, Rayburn, uh, all different types of apples. Um, and I think if you, if you wanted to understand about apples, you, you could look at the different types and share something about the commonality to take understanding forward. So if we apply that to, to the motor system, so you, you're going to walk away today as experts in the motor system. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt about that. We should perhaps give you some little certificates at the end as a recognition of the learning uh, that you've had on the motor system. So we've talked about it there being a central component to the nervous system. Um, work this out. On the front. Bottom at the front. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, very good. Uh, so the central nervous system, which is the brain and the, and the big thick orange spine down there, and then you've got the peripheral nervous system, which is the sort of finer orange wires, neurons going out to the peripheries. So that's the central and the peripheral nervous system. Thinking about it in another way, so you have your brain, and then you have the legs, quite relevant here. When you decide you want to walk or move uh, the muscles in your legs, you initiate the thought in the brain and then the wires connect into the muscles and the action occurs. And we've heard about this two-step two process in the central nervous system and in the peripheral nervous system, these wires. And in um, PLS, those wires are damaged uh, and that leads to, to the problems that, that people have. 
So hereditary spastic paraplegia or paraparesis, um, a terrible name really, as Kevin's already touched on. But all it means, when, when I tell somebody, you know, they've come and they're wanting a diagnosis, and I go, well, this is a case of hereditary spastic paraplegia. They go, oh, thank you, we've waited years for that diagnosis. And all I'm telling them really is they've got stiff, weak legs that runs in the family. But I'm making myself sound very clever by saying, actually, oh, it's, it's a case of hereditary spastic paraparesis. And doctors are very good uh, at doing that, but that, that's all that I'm saying. Stiff, weak legs, that runs in the family. That's, that's all that is. Um, so what can we learn about, and, and should we learn? Is, is this a case of the different types of apples, or is this meerkats and cats? Um, I, I think it's more... And this, I think there is learning to be had here. Um, so it's the central nervous system that's involved. So it shares that with, with PLS. It's the same part of the nervous system. The peripheral nervous system isn't involved. Emphasizing that again, it's, it's these nerves that are affected. So you remember when I showed you this picture uh, from PLS, that was the bit that was affected. So the same bits are, are affected. Uh, and the the end result problem with the legs. What's actually happening in HSP? So it's, we call it a length-dependent uh, degeneration in HSP in its, in its purest form. So the problem starts out at the end of the long nerves that stretch all the way from the brain down the spine and the, the degeneration goes up uh, leading to the problems over, over many years. So again, it's, a, it's largely an assembly process, which is similar to what we see in PLS, and it's affecting the same part of the nervous system. The primary burden is in the same part of the nervous system. This is a, an old video. Um, I could really do with updating it, I suppose, using new fancy HD uh, recordings. This is in a, in a gate lab. Um, so these are, if you're just wondering, what, what are we doing? to this poor gentleman. Um, so he's wearing sensors and there's uh, around the room uh, recorders and infrared things and we're, we're doing a, a gait analysis. Uh, but you can see the stiff, the, so this is the, the spasticity, uh, it's a, a typical uh, spastic gait of someone with HSP but not a, a, a gait of someone who's walking with PLS wouldn't be a great deal different. So what are the similarities? Sometimes it can be hard to tell the difference clinically between um, HSP and PLS. In, the, in its purest forms, the same parts of the nervous system are affected. So um, it's, it's the legs that are affected and they're, they're stiff and weak. There are, within HSP, it can be a, bit, a lot more complicated, but in its, in its purest form, uh, as described by Anita Harding, it, it is um, s similar. They both largely come on in adulthood, and there's usually a, a slow progression. The progression in HSP just tends to be slower than, than PLS, but the progression is over decades, uh, and that is something that they share. It's a genetic disorder, HSP. Um, so what do we mean by that? So this is a, a cell with a nucleus. Within the nucleus you have a chromosome, and on the chromosome you have all the DNA. And think of the DNA as uh, the building blocks or, or the recipe, the instruction to the, 
body's machinery that, that makes the various bits of us. It's the instructions or recipes to make each part. So within your nerves, there are lots of series of recipes that put the nerves together. So I just I put up a recipe here, and as an example, this is obviously not a recipe for a nerve. Can anyone have a guess what this is a recipe for? It is indeed a recipe for bread. And here we have a picture of bread. Artisanal bread, very common these days. Sometimes you just want a nice home fried thick cut slice, don't you? So, so difficult to get that these days. So, artisanal bread. Um, so that's the recipe for that. That's how you get that. And in a way, that's what genes are. They're, they're a recipe, and there is a, all these different coloured blocks, all the different bits of the recipe, simplistically. Now, if you had a problem with the recipe, so here, if for some reason the yeast didn't go in, you, you wouldn't have bread anymore. You'd have a sloppy mess. Uh, and in a way, if you have a mistake in the recipe for your, for your nerves, then the nerve won't be the same. Now, this would be quite a catastrophic mistake, but you can have more subtle changes in the recipe. So you, you might have pepper instead of sugar, and that would make it very different, the end product. Uh, and, and that's what's going on in, in genetic disease. So in HSP, what causes HSP? So over 70 different genes can cause that sort of stiff walking that we saw. So quite a diverse range of, of genes. And there's been a huge advance in this field, in the HSP field. So back here, so I was just leaving medical school and there really there was no knowledge of uh, what was causing HSP. And then uh, over the next uh, decade and more, a huge expansion in the number of genes and being, to tell, being able to tell patients what's caused the uh, HSP. And these are in the familial cases. As Kevin said, um, in many cases, it just seems to pop up and there is no family history. Uh, but when you do the genetic testing in up to 60% of them, you can also identify a, a genetic cause in those patients. So what do these HSP genes do? So this is just a cartoon. The detail really isn't important. Um, but this is a, so a cartoon of a nerve cell. This is the sort of the cell body, which in the, for PLS and for HSP sits in the brain. And Olaf showed you the bit of the motor cortex where that would sit. And then it puts out a long process uh, that goes right, stretches right down. And to just to, to give a... a uh, an idea of what a marvellous structure this is. If, if I was holding a tennis ball in my hand here, if we then took out a fine piece of cotton and took that all the way to the train station, that would be a sort of scaled-up version of, of what this is and what's going on in, in our bodies. Uh, so it's quite a, a complex arrangement, and many, not everything that needs to get down to the train station is, is made up here in the tennis ball that I'd be holding in my hand. So there are, there's lots of energy required, there's sophisticated transport systems required, uh, and not surprisingly, the genes where there are the mistakes in HSP are in these key areas, so transport, energy production. Uh, and we know um, 70 of these, so in all these uh, processes, uh, these are key things that can lead to problems with these long nerves that are affected in HSP and are also affected in PLS. 
I'm going to touch on uh, ALS. So we've heard a lot about ALS. Um, so with ALS, you also have the peripheral nerves involved here. So we've got the central nervous system involved, but also the peripheral nerves. This uh, is, a, is an old slide. I, I, I gave a talk many years ago on is it was the same discussion, are these diseases all the same, just on a spectrum, or are they different diseases? And, and you know, with that argument still goes on. Um, we're focusing on this, this side here, so this is the central nervous system part of it. So let's just blow that up. Uh, and this is, so this is the PLS, and I've sort of talked about the overlap with HSP a little bit. Um, and then this is more typical ALS, Charcot ALS, as has been described, and there's sort of a, a link with those who have ALS, but mainly upper motor neuron dominant, and, and Kevin's postulated the protectiveness of the upper motor neuron. Within the sort of ALS, there's also a, another group, a terrible, so the, the naming and classification within this is, is very confusing, but if we call it juvenile ALS, so this is people who get uh, an ALS-like phenotype very early on, and then live for 20, 30 years. And these have mutations in, in these genes, and, and these two genes are HSP genes. So it's HSP genes causing an ALS-like phenotype, although with, with long survival, with unusually long survival. Um, in the HSP population, we've heard about um, the pathology and this TDP43, so that brown stuff that was uh, filling up the cells and was in the wrong place. Uh, uh, NIPA1 is a HSP gene, and uh, in, a po in one case uh, where there is uh, post-mortem material, there's TDP43 changes within that. Uh, it's only one case, but again, it, it just shows the blurring, the blurring of the boundaries. Um, how do I pull, pull all this together? It's moving forward. So I suppose the question and why, why I've been asked to give this talk today is could HSP genes be involved in PLS? Um, I think it's worth investigating. Could the processes that are disturbed in HSP be disturbed in PLS? So it might not be through to a, gen a genetic mutation, but, but I think the processes that are causing the corticospinal degeneration in HSP are prime candidates for uh, being causative in PLS. So I think it is worth considering that, but it is speculative. And I suppose the, the sort of what we're aiming for really is not just understanding the disease, it's but can we change the disease? Could modifying the pathways involved in HSP ameliorate the problems in PLS? And this is, this is very, very speculative, but you know, that's where I see we're thinking towards in the future. So, what do we need to do to begin to answer some of these questions? I think we need to gather people living with PLS. And, and so, you might be able to spot yourself uh, here. <laughs> Once we've done that, we want to try and characterise clinically. You do, does all PLS, is it all the same? Are the you know, subgroups within PLS, probably? Uh, is it all the same genetically? Uh, let's characterise it and, and find out. And there are various approaches. So there are now, rather than testing all those different genes individually, you can put them all on, uh, all the candidate ones on a panel uh, and, and screen a panel. 
it is, it's not cheap, but uh, it can be done. Uh, and then there are newer technologies where you can look at the whole of, of what makes a person uh, the genes. Uh, so that, that's another approach. Um, but before you move on to that, you, you need to do this, gather people uh, uh, and uh, begin to characterize them clinically, I think. So I think that's all I want to say. So I touched on what HSP is and, and how we can learn from HSPs. I suppose there's a lot more patience uh, with HSP um, and with a lot more understanding on it. So I think learning uh, from what's going on in that field can help here.